with me, I have, um, this is Carmen Friesen. He's the principal coordinator of the global executive team of the world without orphans. That's a title. Carmen is one of the most disarming, humble men I've known, and I'm, his, I'm proud to call him a friend, and I, is somebody who's been working with children for decades, and I esteem him. This is Carmen. Won't you welcome him? Thanks, Greg. Uh, we love Northlands. Um, I've known some of you for almost two decades, and for the last six years, Northlands has just been a very significant part of World Without Orphans, and coming here feels like coming home, so thank you. It's not hard to recognize uh, the brokenness and the need in our world uh, for children. Five million kids living in orphanages, although most of those kids have some sort of family or relatives that they could be living with. 150 million children um, have lost one or both parents. But beyond that, one billion children in our world, one out of every two kids experiences abuse every year and are not in the safe and loving families that God wants for them. But through this vision for a world without orphans, we're seeing beyond that brokenness and that need. We're seeing hope. This vision um, is all about seeing a safe and loving family for every child and that those children would know their heavenly father and would reach their God-given purpose. We can go ahead a couple of slides. In Ukraine, um, about 12 years ago, there was a group of leaders from across the country that were seeing God move towards adoption and foster care. And they just had this passion for seeing that happen across the nation. And they didn't know what to do, but they came together and they prayed. And for more than a year, they just regularly prayed. And one of them prayed that they would see a Ukraine without orphans. And that just captured their vision because as Greg mentioned, there's one church for every child that needs to be adopted. In Ukraine, is 30,000 children at that time that needed to be adopted, and there were 30,000 churches. And so they began to cast a vision uh, for adoption and foster care. And fast forward 10 years, and that number is now less than 5,000 kids. God works through his people. God designed children to be in families. That's where we thrive. That's where, when we're in a safe and loving family, we grow to know the love of our Father, our Heavenly Father. Psalm 68, 6 says that God sits the lonely in families. That's God's plan for each of us. And we recognized when we saw that happening in Ukraine that this wasn't something unique to Ukraine, that God was putting this vision on the hearts of pastors and Christian leaders all over the world. And we recognized also out of Ukraine that there was just this power in calling and equipping national leaders to collaborate in solving their own orphaned and vulnerable child crisis. That God has given us the tools in our communities and in our nations. God's given the leaders in every country the tools and the resources that they need to solve their own orphaned and vulnerable child crisis. And we just wanna come alongside them and encourage and equip and help them to do that. And God is the foundation for all of this. God is at the center of this movement because God is a father to the fatherless. And we focus on the child, recognizing that God's given the child inherent value, that God wants to see every child reach their God-given purpose, and that his plan for that is mainly through family. 
And as we strengthen families, we can see children thrive. And the church is so significant in that each of us helping to strengthen our, our own families and the families around us. And the church also has this role in society to work across uh, every sphere, as Greg mentioned, business and government, to engage in the society to, make, uh, to see transformation that God wants in our communities. We, as we were thinking about this four or five years ago, we were just thinking about why, why is it that we don't see a world without orphans? And why, why is it that we don't see a community without orphans? And we recognize that after a few decades of working in this space that there's, there's four very clear foundational things that we, that we focus on and we train on. And it's this one, this, this piece about collaboration that God has given his people the ability to work together um, to make a difference and that God can do so much more um, in our communities when we do that. And we recognize this, the, the priority of intervention, that there's kids that are the most vulnerable that are on the streets and in orphanages and we need to rescue them and we need to see family as the solution. But beyond that, there's one billion children that are living in families but are not fully safe. And so we need to work on prevention. We need to strengthen families uh, to make a difference across society so that kids aren't abandoned and don't end up in those most vulnerable situations. And then Northlands has just been such a key part of, of helping us really introduce us to this concept of living refreshed and also to equip us in how to live refreshed, experiencing the joy of the Father so that as we're caring for the most vulnerable, we don't become vulnerable. And so I hope that as you hear from um, my friends today that you'll hear hope and that you'll be encouraged uh, and equipped to engage as well. Yeah, thanks, Carmen. I'm going to butcher his last name, but this is Luba Halvachka. And uh, Luba, Luba is the principal coordinator for, for um, uh, ambassadors and teams around the world and uh, just has a passion to connect. He's a, he's a real shepherd and, uh, and just beloved around the world. Good morning. I, I said, Greg, that uh, Lubo is enough, that he doesn't need to wrestle with my surname. <laughs> but he's still trying, so... Uh, so good to be here with all of you and uh, as I was still and I, as I'm still dealing a little bit with the jet lag I'm living in the Europe in Czech Republic I woke up at five o'clock in the morning today and I decided to write a few notes uh, and that it will be safer if I will read the notes and I don't know if we have this experience I don't do that very often last time actually when I was instead of just speaking without notes speaking by reading notes was when I, was, I spoke at the wedding of my daughter Mary. And the reason was that I don't want emotions to steal my thoughts, you know, and to prevent me from saying what I would like to say. And so, so, as, so I wrote a few notes into my mobile and then, <clears throat> then we left the house, whole team. Uh, we, are, we are staying with the Hillis' family. And so we left uh, Carmen and Susan and Phil and myself and I say to myself, I forget my phone with the notes. And I forget the second important thing for the man of my age, glasses, you know. <laughs> so as we were driving the 30 minutes, I was thinking like, oh, what, what, what is the core, what I would like to say? And actually I realized that it is very easy. 
uh, the two words. It's, if I will say nothing more than just these two words, I will say everything what I would like to say to Northland Church. And those two words are thank you. And yeah, thank you very much. And then we came here and I was digging deeper in my backpack and I found my mobile phone and I found my glasses, <laughs> which was a nice surprise, you know. So I would love to read my notes. They are just short, but you will see that with the two words I was already sharing with you. And I, I really mean from my heart, that thank you. That's, that's probably just extending those words. So, thank you, Northlands, for your prayers for WWO ministry and team. We feel your support and we appreciate it very much. Thank you, Northlands, for your prayer and support of WWO vision and ministry and us as a team. To see the church involved is important part of our vision and the dream. Uh, you know how in the Old Testament, the David, uh, the shepherd boy, David, killed the giant. And reading that story, following the, that event, we know that five other men killed the giants as well. And David became an inspiring example. Thank you, Northlands, for, being, for having that role and being inspiring other churches by your example. Thank you for supporting Pastors Greg and, and Michelle and also our friends Susan and Brian Hillis in their involvement with WWO Global Initiative. I visited Romania with our orphans partners two weeks ago, and they started their ministry by visiting conference in Ukraine 10 years ago. God spoke to their hearts about orphans and vulnerable children, and now there is a national initiative in Romania. All around the country, in many churches. And now there is a, uh, they are calling and equipping churches, families, and individual believers to care, to adopt, to protect families. And more than that, now our Romanian partners, and that was really moving for me personally when I visited them, now they are serving in the other country. So they are not saying, oh, we have what we need and now we will work tirelessly in our own country to see every child in the loving and caring family. They just say, we would like to share it with others around and in, with other countries. And the country of Moldova is the country that invested a lot of their time, effort, and funding as well. Uh, my heart was moved when I saw there is a multiple individual believers there in Romania sharing the same passion. It was and it is the passion you are sharing as well, many of you. Passion to see children in loving and caring families. We believe that it reflects loving heart of our Heavenly Father. Thank you. As many of you may know, the orphans, the orphans crisis has been significantly impacted by COVID. And I'm gonna let Susan talk a little about that in a little while, but basically uh, COVID deaths have ravaged the orphan population because many, many, in many third world countries, uh, it is the grandparents who are looking after the younger people. 
And so, so there's a tremendous surge in orphanhood around the world. And we want you to get just a little bit of a taste of this. And one of our partners uh, in, in India just did this video for us. So why don't you watch this? Working into about 85 countries, we have uh, well established in in, uh, in about 40 countries, and a, and a further about 45 have uh, different uh, national initiatives in different places. But uh, many countries around the world are, are starting to um, engage with this idea that we can make a difference. Uh, I want to introduce you, Phil Green, who's uh, the partnerships lead in the COVID-19 response and recovery conciliator. Phil's from. Uh, England, and uh, so don't offer him any tea uh, for, uh, for us, some of you will get that. Um, but this is Phil, he's one of my favorite people in the world, and so why don't you welcome him as well, thank you. Thanks Greg, and it's really good to be here with you uh, this morning. 
Uh, last time I was in Atlanta was actually in March 2020, as we were beginning to see the impact COVID was going to have on the world. In fact, as the travel ban was announced between the UK and the US, I was actually on a flight between the UK and the US. Unfortunately, the, the ban was announced kind of two days ahead of schedule, so they still let me into the country, and I did manage to get home as well, which my wife and kids were quite uh, pleased about. Um, but during that week, as we were, were meeting to talk about a strategy for uh, World Without Orphans, we, we just began to realize just how significant the COVID crisis would be, not only on the way that we delivered our work, but also on the children we were trying to make a difference for. Um, so I went home with this very fancy job title of COVID-19 Crisis Response and Recovery Coordinator, not really too sure what it would mean. That weekend, I got a phone call from Susan Hillis saying, I want you to lead on translating and disseminating parenting tips among our network. And I was like, has Susan lost her mind finally? Parrington tips. Like seriously, like we were hearing stories around the world of orphanages closing and sending their children home. And yet I was being asked to help our network translate and disseminate parenting tips. But you don't argue with Susan, do you? So um, I spent the next uh, few days working with our network to get these parenting tips translated and disseminated. And what we soon realized was the world really wanted parenting tips. The world really needed parenting tips. I don't know, you may have well seen this in your own families. You may have seen this amongst your friends on social media, that everyone, parents were just saying, this is hard. This is hard when our children are not in school. And realizing that around the world, um, in all kinds of different contexts, it was really hard uh, for our parents. So um, our partners around the world were getting parenting tips uh, out to people. And these parenting tips were um, supported by USAID, CDC, World Health Organization, UNICEF. So, so these were the best parenting tips in the world. But these groups were struggling to get them to people. But churches could get them to people because they were still connected to families. So our partners in Ukraine were distributing them with food parcels. Um, in Romania, um, they converted them into little kind of social media videos that they were sharing. Um, in uh, Kyrgyzstan, our team there created animations that were shown on national TV. Our partners in India uh, created a whole phone mentoring program where they would work with parents and children over a six-week period to talk through and process the parenting tips um, with them and what was family life uh, like. In uh, several Africa countries, um, our partners took to the radio and reached millions. Um, in Paraguay, um, our team there uh, worked with the Ministry of Health to make these parenting tips part of the official government response. So they were printed and circulated with food aid. They were on the website and actually 15% of the population connected with these parenting tips. And after the first three months, uh, the people at Oxford University who were behind the parenting tips um, calculated that about 60 million people around the world had engaged with the parenting tips. But here's, here's, here's the key number. 20 million of those people had engaged with them because of World Without Orphans and our partners. And I don't say that to big up World Without Orphans. I say that to big up the church. 
the church reached 20 million people when we were working with organizations like the US government and the World Health Organization and UNICEF. All of those groups tend to rely on schools to reach families. So when schools were closed, they could no longer reach the families who most desperately needed support. But the church still could. So suddenly, me from little old England is going to be rolled out to speak to the US government about why they need to work with the church. I was being rolled, and we were being talked about in the corridors of power. Well, not the actual corridors, because all the buildings were shut, but the metaphorical corridors of power at UNICEF and the World Health Organization, that this was evidence of why we needed to work with churches. Isn't that a great story of the church being good news to their communities? Praise God. Thanks, Phil. Uh, many of you will know uh, Daniel, as he's, who features in our next video, but we wanted you to get a sense of what's been going on in Uganda. So this is Daniel Kagwa. Hey, this is Pastor Daniel. I lead Alliance for Uganda Without Orphans here in Uganda. I just want to let you know that Orphan Sunday has been very successful in our country. I and my team have been able to mobilize churches, and actually we've been able to mobilize over 1,690 churches, and they were all able to celebrate Orphan Sunday. The whole of this month is going to be Orphan Sunday month in our country. So we still need your prayers because we are still moving on, mobilizing and raising awareness about Orphan Sunday here in our country. And I also want to report to you about what the Lord has done. The Lord has been so merciful that so many children have been able to be rescued, restored, reunited into families, and others have also been able to get permanent homes. I just want to say that the Lord be glorified for that. Secondly, it has been such a, a tough time here in our country uh, that so many girls have been abused. You will never believe this, that over 30,000 girls every month conceive below the age of 18 and these are the only ones that report to the police but memo numbers uh, have not even yet been reported and what you see over here this is the place where we're going to be able to have over 36 girls who are molested abused and sexually harassed and i i just want to say that we still need your prayers we need you to stand with us as we pray for these kids and us also be able to finish up this dormitory before 2022. We also want to ask you to pray for our country so that the government officials may be able to do uh, some great decisions as they run the country. It has not been so easy, but we need God's grace. We also pray that fathers, fathers may not be able to molest their children. It has been happening in our country and the number is so big. We need God. Also keep us in prayers as pastors and leaders may be able to understand the vision and the concept of what we are trying to share. Children belong in families. So COVID-19 has affected our country, has affected our economy and has affected our faith. But know and we believe that through your prayers, we shall be able to overcome. We thank you. We love you. May the Lord be with you. Amen. Uh, uh, I'm trying.
trying to think of what to say about Susan. Susan, Susan is a force of nature. That's what I say about her regularly. Anybody who's traveled with Susan will know that she needs about three and a half hours of sleep, and then she is, is wired for the next 21. So, um, but Susan has been tireless and a passionate, uh, deeply passionate person on behalf of vulnerable children around the world. Uh, I would think that in the, in the halls of our government and in academia, there's no one that's driven this agenda further or faster than Susan. And so it's just an honor to have her with us in the church. This is Susan. Thank you so much. It is so good to be here with you today again and having the chance to share with you a little bit. I'll go ahead and take the first slide, please. So um, I thought it was really important that we begin to think about the title of this slide, Word Without Orphans, Carrying Hope for Children Affected by COVID-19 Orphanhood. And as Phil was saying, suddenly, World Without Orphans is a name that is talked about and known in the halls of leadership around the world. And you see all those different groups, CDC, USAID, World Bank, et cetera, below, but, and World Without Orphans logo. But what World Without Orphans has that not another one of those organizations has is hope. And we lead with hope and we carry hope in the Lord. I want to tell a story that um, illustrates what I'm really hoping you catch today. And that is there, there is a face and a voice behind every one of all the numbers that we're talking about. And there are faces and voices of people we know that we can be reaching out to and loving and praying for. I'll talk about the first voice. It was actually a World Without Orphans voice, a pastor that's a good friend of ours from Zambia, Remy, who began to open my eyes and really the world's eyes to who is thinking about how many children have been affected. Over a crackling Zoom call about a year ago, he says, Susan, I am so worried about all the children in Zambia. If COVID hits our country the way it has hit yours and takes out the grannies, who will be left to take care of the children? And I heard that and I thought, oh Lord, you have got to help us figure out what is the magnitude of the problem so that we can call forth resources and the church to respond. And that actually is what has happened. And you all, you know, the team has heard me tell this story about Remy over and over again, but it was the voice of a leader, a national leader in Zambia with World Without Orphans that has really awakened the world to this question. Next slide, please. So we know that there's uh, serious problems with COVID-associated orphanhood defined as the death of one or both parents around the world. This is a display by the, in our own country, the Washington Monument, that uh, was just taken down a couple weeks ago. But now we're over 750,000 people who have died. But Michelle, I love the verse you read this morning and just the reminder that we have hope as believers that we're carrying forward. But um, in a lot of these little flags, the family members of the people that had died went up and wrote little notes, inscriptions, like an epitaph. But they almost always started with two words, either husband or wife, and then the second word, mother or father. So the, the idea that there are many people who love those people who have been affected is so important for us to realize because we need to see their faces and hear their voices. Next slide, please. 
Uh, so one of the things that we have discovered as we've begun to work as a global team of experts, uh, Oxford University, Harvard, USAID, the uh, lead economist at the World Bank, CDC, et cetera, around the world, is there is a hidden pandemic in the blue of children who have been left behind by the pandemic of COVID deaths in the purple. And when we first published the paper on this uh, it went through roughly the end of May, the data, and you can see that there's about two purples for every one blue. And so for roughly every two persons dying of COVID around the world, there was one child left behind as an orphan. Next slide, please. So I wanna show you what has been happening since then, particularly in, as some of the African countries that we're gonna be working more in have gotten harder hit. On these curves on the right, but let me, I wanna show you something, but first of all, let me say, I'm a scientist, I love data. But data, I want to um, give you a new way to look at it, is really just an invitation to love, and I'll tell you why. So um, if you look at the data on the right, you'll see that like towards the end of October, you have Kenya, Zimbabwe, Zambia, and Uganda. We just heard from Daniel in Uganda. The COVID orphanhood numbers were going almost straight up because of the COVID waves. Anytime you have a wave of COVID, you'll have a wave of COVID deaths in countries that are not highly vaccinated. Anytime you have a wave of COVID deaths, which everyone talks about, you will have a wave of COVID orphanhood, which very few people are talking about, even though now that is really changing, thankfully. But I want to call your attention to the face, again, um, a face that was sent to me on my phone by a dear friend and a colleague and a pastor in Zambia, a different one. And he says to me, Susan, you have got to please help us help the world see what is happening. Um, the granny taking care of this little girl was she was the, she was um, the only caretaker because the mother had died. She had contracted COVID day nine, dropped a coat dead of COVID at home and with boiling water on the stove. And the little girl toddler toddles over and pours the boiling water, trying to pour it on her tea, but it pours it over herself and her scalp and torso are scalded, begins to cry. Who is it that comes? The pastor comes running with his wife, grabs the little girl, takes her to the hospital, and now they are working to between the church um, to find a family for this little girl and care for her. So again, this sense of in the middle of great crisis around the world, the church is walking hope in where it's most needed. Next slide, please. These are in purple, the countries around the world who are most impacted by COVID-associated orphanhood. And I really love, Lubo's been sharing with us a lot lately about Psalm 68.6, which is promises, um, you know, the verse that Promise 66 is based on. God is a father to the fatherless and he sets the lonely in families. And we're believing God to do that with countries around the world that are impacted. And you can see again in the purple, the ones most impacted among those, Brazil, India, the US, and Ukraine. A lot of you have little notes on your chairs about them. We are believing God's gonna let us do more and more in those countries. Next slide, please. So we've just updated our global estimates of COVID-related orphanhood as of a week ago and some of the colleagues that we're working with. And we know that um, now we've fast-forwarded and we now have over 5 million children that have 
been affected are now orphaned by COVID around the world. And it now basically equals the number of people who have died. So that first slide I showed you, two to one, it's come up to one to one as the deaths have escalated around the world. This means that one child is orphaned every six seconds and it means that the church really has an opportunity and an invitation from the Lord to respond. Next slide, please. Uh, Phil talked a little bit about this, that within three months, World Without Orphans was able to reach 20 million. So I work for the CDC, and I'm in all these meetings with all these other like academics, and people were just shocked, and they were saying even to me, like, Susan, you like work with World Without Orphans, and you, you know, as a, you know, you help with their science advice. How did they do it? But people are just standing in awe of the testimony that is going forth so loudly about what God's peoples and his love through them can do. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just an example of what um, the country of Malawi is doing through so many of the church avenues, whether it's groups of faith leaders meeting together in a county to pray and deal with needs, or small groups in church, or Christian radio station, home visits, church and community leaders, WhatsApp groups. They're just going out like wildfire over all of these different platforms that as believers we have at our fingertips and that the world does not have. Next slide, please. I'm gonna close with a short story and a verse. And so the story is about what I'm gonna be inviting you to also consider praying about. So as I'm leading all this um, research globally and in the United States, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to send me some of these children or young people that have been affected by COVID orphanhood and let me pray for them and know them and love them. I'm driving home one day, I see that there's um, someone that I don't know standing looking at our alpacas. My husband has some alpacas in the backyard. So I go over to meet this young girl, she's 16, her name is Kate Kelly. And her first statement is, oh no, the heart that holds my daddy's ashes broke. I need help fixing it. And I look in her hand and there was a part of a necklace that she was holding and her dad had just died of COVID two weeks earlier. He was the IT lead at Andy Stanley's church. And um, I had never met her before. And that, that's the first statement I hear her make. And so I just told her a little bit about what I'm doing. And I said like, I would just, Kate, I would love to know your story. So she starts telling me everything that happened. This quote is something that she said. But um, as we were talking, she said, you know, what I feel like we really need to have in this country is people seeing people like me. Everybody talks about everybody with COVID, but nobody's talking about what happens when my dad is not here and he's not gonna be there to walk me down the aisle and he's not gonna be taking prom pictures with me in two weeks. So Kate and I have become friends and because I had so many interviews from media after these um, papers, I asked her, Kate, like I can get you interviews and people can hear your voice. Like, would you be willing to talk to them? And she goes, yes. So lo and behold, Kate and her mom, who's now a widow, they're being interviewed by the New York Times and by the Washington Post and quoted all over the country as believers. And you know, then um, I remembered when her prom was gonna be and sent her a little note saying, can you send me your prom pictures? And she did, and um, we've become friends. So the Lord answered prayer for me about letting me meet and love someone who was in need. And I know he can answer prayer for all of us. So I'll go ahead and close with this one um, last slide and verse that really has me excited. You all. <laughs> 
The Lord is inviting us in prayer to go to the places Jesus is about to enter. And, and it's not just like me making this up. Look at Luke 10, 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So as we're joining together in prayer for the nations or for the children or for the teenagers, for anyone, for the widows, anyone that you feel like God is putting on your heart, we are impacting eternity because we are praying into the harvest, into the places Jesus is about to go. So God bless you. Thank you so much for listening and for your caring about this um, together with the Lord and with us. couple of ways you can get involved. On every chair, there's a, a country. I'm gonna invite you to think about praying for that country for the next month. Put it up on some way where you can see it. Uh, you'll see uh, statistics on how many orphans are there, how many COVID orphans, how many, how many children are abused in that country. And uh, you'll see uh, typically the, the World Without Orphans representative in that nation, please pray for them for great wisdom. And uh, so you say, Greg, how can I get involved? Well, uh, if you would pray for that country, that's a great mechanism of involvement. Uh, secondly, you can uh, give thanks to everybody who buys a cup of coffee and donates to Will Without Orphans. Thank you so much. Along with, uh, we just gave another $4,500 in your name this week to Will Without Orphans um, because of donations that have come in through that and various other ways. And I just wanted to thank you again for your generosity. You've been a constant support and we bless you for that. Uh, you can join us in praying and, and uh Lord willing, in a couple of years' time, we'll have another forum. And last forum, some Northlands people came in basically with a backbone of the service part and the ministry part of that. And you can think about joining that. Um, and uh, I, would, I would venture to suggest that some people in this place need to say, Lord, is, is, it, is adoption or fostering part of what you have in my story? Because it may well be part of your story. There is a, an international piece that God is using us. Uh, I just want to say, Ruby Johnson is with us as well. She's also a member of the executive team and we didn't have a time for her. Ron Brond is here. He's uh, on the board of uh, World Without Orphans. And so I just wanted to thank you both for being here and for your contributions, amen. Um, and then um, I wanted to turn our attention just to our neighbors piece because we have um, Andy Cook with us and uh, Promise 686. And uh, as I've said before, I think it's one of the most effective ministries I've seen in actually getting to the ground and helping um, and it's, it's engaging churches, which I think is the answer. But here's the uh, video, would you watch it with me, please?
This is our friend Andy, President and CEO of Promise 686. Not sure where the words went. I was thinking of worship and I was thinking of opening up the windows and, and letting the light in. And what does that look like for a child? Let's take what we are singing and what we are inviting and asking of God and let's make that a reality. That, that's how we stand. So let me get my voice back here. <clears throat> Promise 686 has a chance to plant family advocacy ministries in churches around the nation. We work with partners, but this, this is my church and this is our family advocacy ministry. And everything that we've discussed today, everything you've heard begins and ends with individual churches doing something. I got a chance to speak at a really cool conference a few years back and I, I was laying out what we do at Promise and I got to this moment and I said, and the church, and I spelled out what the church does. And it was really interesting. A friend came to me and he said, Andy, that was great, except for the moment you said the church, Everybody in the room kind of went, oh. And it wasn't that they were against the church. They were excited instead that they didn't have to do it because the church was going to do it. And so let me say unequivocally that everything that is being discussed right now is about you, the church, taking a stand for vulnerable children. A quick story. About seven years ago, I was invited to meet a physical need of a vulnerable family. You see, they were taking in four children who'd been in foster care, who'd experienced a lot of abuse and neglect. And my simple task was to go there and help the foster dad take a very large freezer from down in the basement up seven wooden steps into their front door. All I had to do was help him get up that. The problem was, as we hauled this thing, if you've done this before, it's like every step. You know, so I know what step where things stopped. It was the third step is where we got to. And it was, Urk! and the reason we stopped there was because the foster dad had to run inside because this six-year-old boy was wrecking the home. All the pain that was inside of him was going into every object that he could find. And I sat on those steps for what seemed like 15 minutes. It was probably five, but I'm not that strong. And I'm holding this freezer and I'm listening to this father who is trying to wrap this boy up, to hold him, to bring him down to the ground, and just to try to envelop some of the pain of this son that he later adopted. My part was to hold a freezer on the steps, and he came back and we got it in place, thankfully. His part was to be the foster father, and ultimately to adopt that child and that child's siblings. There was another group in between who weren't on the steps with me that day, but they came and they rallied around that family. They wrapped around them for the course of two years, bringing meals, doing babysitting, transporting those children, making sure that that family didn't become vulnerable just like the children who they had brought into their home. That was the response of a local church. That was a family advocacy ministry live and happening. So that's what you guys are invited into. You've heard so much You've heard an invitation to pray. You've heard an invitation to get plugged in with World Without Orphans. And now's an invitation to get really concrete in this community 
and get involved in the family advocacy ministry here at Northlands. There are three ways you can respond. I just told them to you in a story. I'm gonna give them back to you because if you're like me, you don't hear it the first time, you need to hear it twice. So here it is. The first way is that you can meet physical needs of vulnerable children and families. All you do is you get an email and you decide whether you want to respond to that physical need. There is no reason everyone in this church can't receive an email period. Our list of responders for Northlands is about 20 people who are responding to those emails and getting those emails right now. That should be a list of 200 people because you don't have to respond every time. You pray and say, God, is this a time you would have me respond? That's all we're asking. Asking you to be willing to be willing, as Greg said earlier. Secondly, you can step onto a team. You can wrap around. You can be part of a care community to stand with the family for the long road of the journey to get reestablished. Sometimes it's a family that has had their children exit the home and are being reunited. So it's a biological family who's been in crisis. Sometimes it's a foster family or even adoptive family. But we have a need for about 25 new volunteers to step alongside families who are part of this church or in this nearby community and stick with them. And then the third thing is that you can foster. You can adopt. And Northlands has made that easy. We have, even the money piece is something that's there. And maybe you're thinking, well, not for me. We'll give to that Northlands Adoption Fund so that the person who does wanna step in and take on that role as a caregiver can't say that that was a hurdle. It's a question between them and God whether he'd call them into that. So those are three responses. The way to respond is actually to go to your phone right now and not be like, oh, I might not remember 97,000 later. Um, you can remember it later, but let's just make sure you don't forget. And get your phone out and text Northlands Fam to 97,000. Guys, this is a no-brainer response to everything that you've heard today. I really, really encourage you to do it. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this community. I'm grateful for what we're doing. I'm grateful for what we'll do. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Cindy. That's lovely. Let me wrap it up with this. We have a, an orphan's fund. Uh, or an adoption fund, let me say that way, in our church. And because adoption's been such a part of our journey and it's an ongoing part of our journey, uh, I just believe very strongly that if everybody in the church took some level of responsibility, that's why I love the FAM idea, that's why I love our adoption fund. You don't have to, uh, we give $25 a month, it's not something that we even worry about, it just goes into that. And it's, and it's one little mechanism for us to make a way uh, for there to be some money, which is administered by a team of people who've been doing this for a while. And uh, it's just an ability to help families that are adopting because one of the challenges of adoption is the price tag. Uh, it's pretty hard. So um, please join up with FAM. I, uh, it's, a, it's a very exciting thing to be able to help a family. Because oftentimes the, the barrier to entry, uh, a, a, a grandmother who wants to take her grandkids because mom or dad has, has died or has, has gone away, uh, oftentimes can't do that over the tiniest of little issues because you don't have, you know, defects says you don't have in nice enough beds or you don't have this. It's, it's oftentimes a tiny little issue that you would absolutely love to resolve that makes a massive difference for a family. So um, here's my hope, um, that in some way today, you've, as you've opened up your heart, the, the Holy Spirit's whispered for you to do something. And at a minimum, I'm asking you to join us in prayer for those countries. Um, but I think uh, the best thing you can possibly do is respond 
to the Lord's voice over your life. And that's what we're asking you to do. I'm gonna close in prayer and I'm gonna invite Tyler to come up and close the meeting. Thank you for your indulgence today. I know it's, it's been slightly different and it's taken a little longer, but I believe it's an important day for us. This issue is not going to go away from our hearts. This issue is not going to leave the heart of God either. Let's pray together. Father, we come to say thank you. And thank you for this privilege, Lord, for us as a people, for us as a church, to have on our hearts vulnerable children and orphans and widows. You said, Lord, this is the best possible way you can demonstrate your faith. This is the best way to walk this out. So Father, I just pray that you would give us the privilege of doing more in our neighborhoods and in the nations of the world. Give it into our hands, Lord. Let your favor demonstrate uh, more responsibility for this church. In Jesus' name we pray.